Well, this morning we'd like to continue a study. I believe this is maybe our seventh uh, lesson on the church, and I'd like to uh, just continue on that. I think it's, if I've fallen short on anything, I think maybe it has been this, as we, some of them, you know, grow up and go away, and and sometimes uh, I feel that I've fallen short on the church and its value and its importance. What we studied so far is uh, the church is the ecclesia, if you look at the Greek word, and it means a called out assembly. We also uh, studied that we can study, or the church is taught even where the word church or ecclesia is not used in the study of the vine and the branches, we found that. To to understand the vine and the branches, we understand it is talking about fruit bearing. It's not talking about who's going to heaven who's going to the lake of fire. So when you study the vine and the branches, it's talking about fruit bearing. And we see the fruit can only be if the vine or branch is connected to, to the vine. Uh, we certainly talk a lot about the comforter when we talk about the church. The comforter is given to the church on the day of Pentecost to lead, guide, and direct into all truth. So if the comforter leads, guides, and directs into all truth is placed in the church, then that's where the fruit bearing is going to take place. Says, Without me, you can do uh, church is the body of Christ, referred to in that manner. He is the chief cornerstone. The chief, because we talk about, you hear about the church in the wilderness. The Bible talks about that. And certainly Israel was an assembly in the wilderness, but not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That couldn't be until the chief cornerstone was in place. I know he's in ter- he is, Jesus is e- eternal, and Christ is eternal, but he, as he came on the earth, he was the chief cornerstone uh, put in place. He's also the head of the body, <coughs> the church. Old Testament, <coughs> we had the, uh, the priesthood, and it's important to understand that, to understand <coughs> the New Testament church. But the Old Testament priesthood, was, I like to say, elect within an elect within an elect. And that may sound, may not be a good way to state it, but that's the way I see it. To, to be a priest in the Old Testament, a priest to be able to offer up acceptable sacrifices to God, you had to be of the elect nation of Israel. You had to be of the elect tribe of the Levites. There's elect within elect. And then <clears throat> out of the tribe of Levites, you had to be of the seed of Aaron. <clears throat> and elect to be able to offer acceptable sacrifice. And you can take that teaching, and it teaches us so much more. Um, We found that, of course, the Lord's church, or I'll say churches as it later became, and we'll try to answer that question this morning as well, is made up of living stones. This building is not the church. It's It's a beautiful, wonderful building where the church assembles, but it is not the the church. And I often refer to it, well, let's go around to church, and I shouldn't, but uh, it is a building where the church has chosen to meet. Uh, but that the Lord places when and where he pleases to offer up as the, and he said they're a royal priesthood. So we have another priesthood. We, we understand the Old Testament priesthood. They offered up acceptable royal sacrifices to God. Also offers up acceptable sacrifices uh, unto God. Sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. And, uh, and, and why, it's, I think, kind of easy to understand why the fruit is not, is, uh, why the, the branches bear fruit 
in the church is because of that comforter that leads, guides, and directs. We, we touched on it a little bit before. I want to talk about it again this morning. The church, is it local or is it universal? We talked about it some, but I'd like to, I'd like to hit on that again this morning. I'd uh, like to start out well. I, I do like to start out with questions. When I study, I ask myself questions, and, answer. and uh, but in the Lord's own time, he, he answers our, our prayers. But uh, what authority, if any, does the church have? Uh, I won't be able to turn to one particular verse that says, okay, this shows the church has all authority. I won't be able to turn to one single verse. Hopefully we'll be able to turn to several that you'll look at and understand, well, that is what it's, what it's teaching. Uh, to examine these scriptures and, and see if we come to a conclusion about the church. Is it local? Is it universal? Does it have any authority? If the church is universal... As men, many men say that it is, well, once you then believe, you become a member of this universal church. That's what I think I hear mostly. But then that one big universal church would have the Local. authority. Called out assemblies, ecclesia, then each independently have authority over the ones that's part of that individual body. So we'll try to cover uh, some of those things. Uh, the word church is used 35 times in the New Testament. It's in the plural sense. I would ask if it's one big universal church, then why is it spoken we'll of some of those this morning if it be the Lord's will? I'd like you to first turn to the book of Acts chapter 16. And uh, again, we're just trying to come up with some scriptures. And as you look at the, uh, these scriptures and compare the scriptures, I believe that we will see that it is a ecclesia. It is a local called out assembly. Uh, and each local independent has its own authority. We know all authority comes above. So Acts chapter 16, and again, we're just going to bounce through a few scriptures, and verse uh, 4, the cities, they delivered them decrees to keep, and were ordained of the apostles and elders who were at Jerusalem, established in the faith, and increased in number daily. So we had the first church at Jerusalem, verse 4 speaks about. And then verse 5 speaks about the churches that were established. And yes, they came out of the first church at Jerusalem. We want to uh, and there again, the Comforter helps us to understand that. The Comforter is given on the day of Pentecost to his church, passed down to the churches out of that. So uh, the number of churches, plural, they were established and they grew and multiplied in, in number. Now, in Revelation chapter 1, we'll see uh, churches very clearly here. Revelation chapter 1, and of course, Revelation, a book that, well, as all the books do, has many, many things in it. We're just looking for one particular thing this morning. Chapter 
the first chapter and uh, verse 4, starting um, in verse 4. To the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loveth us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He hath made us a kingdom of priests and his father forever and ever. Amen. So unto John, to the seven members of the church, this big worldwide church, John, the seven called out assemblies. And we'll find more on this, but as we as we read these things, just kind of keep these in your mind, and I believe it all is like a puzzle that helps paint a, a picture. Uh, verse nine, I think, in Revelation. Let's read a little more who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience uh, of Christ Jesus was in uh, Isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. So why does it say churches in plural? Well, because it is plural to, uh, to prove this as we go on. And it, it lists them here. To Ephesus and, and Smyrna and to Pergamon and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And uh, so he, he mentions those churches actually uh, by name. So why does he say seven churches? The better churches question is seven churches there. And in uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, And to the angel of the church of Ephesus, singular, Write these things, says he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So we see uh, church there, and in verse 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So there again it talks about, we see singular in Ephesus, but then it talks about plural as far as churches. Verse 8, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write these things, saith the first and the last, who was dead and is alive. And in verse 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And in verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos, Write these things, saith he who hath a sharp sword with two edges. Of course, each one of these is teaching a lesson as far as that goes when we go talking about these churches. I do not believe each church is a dispensation, but I believe there's much to be learned by each of them. And I also believe these letters went to, it called out particular ones, but I also believe, and this is just my opinion, 
that these seven letters went to all the churches. He, he told each church specific things, but I think uh, Pergamus had a, a copy of the Ephesus letter. Again, that's just my opinion, so don't, don't take that for gospel. That's just my opinion. Uh, verse 17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and the stone and a new name, which no man knoweth except he that receiveth it. So again, we see plural here, plural. churches. Each uh, of the other four churches, we just read three, but the other four churches the, the same way. He calls them a church, but in, in this, with all of them together, he refers to them as churches. So he was writing to seven individual bodies, and he called each one of them a church. Then all of them together, he refers to them as one big universal church. church here. But again, these are just little snippets and facts that I want us to keep in mind as, as we study this. One church that was established uh, in Jerusalem. We, under, we understand that and, and how the, it was given the comfort on the day of Pentecost and so forth. And out of that first church, we have offspring. As I, oh, several weeks ago, I, I went with my own genealogy and my uh, great-great-grandfather and down from that, there are other bodies. I'm one of the bodies that came from my great-great-grandfather. Well, we have this also in the church. We have the first church. We had Adam well, I could look That's where we all came from. That's where we all go back to. But the church, the first church at Jerusalem, and out of that, we do have other churches, plural. Uh, and they all have the same head, which is Jesus Christ, but... They become these separate, separate churches then and now have communication with one, one another. One has their own separate authority, and we'll, we'll try to see that a little more as well. So uh, separate churches, independent of each other, has their own authority. So in Romans chapter 16, we'll see that. Book of Romans chapter 16. And I, I've had a lot of people... Tell me, well, you know, church doesn't make any difference. You can just worship wherever you want to. Well, as far as location, uh, we're not talking about that. But when they say the church is not important, then I say, why did Jesus shed his blood and give his life Romans for his 16, church? Romans 16, and uh, uh, written by Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I commended unto you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church, which is that century. So she was a, a servant in this, a, again, another particular church. He didn't say in this great big worldwide church. Well, it would have been worldwide at that time, but even at that time. But a particular member of a particular church, and, and uh, they had recommended or commended uh, this one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So she was a, a servant of a particular one church. Verse, uh, well, let's, let's read verse 1 as well. Called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and so notice this, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, uh, both theirs and ours. So, 
here God had uh, a church at Corinth and uh, not part of a church at Corinth. There was a church at Corinth. Not part of, not part of a church. There was a church, a body of Jesus Christ at, at Corinth. And in chapter 4 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Seventeen. This calls have I sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which are in Christ, as I preach everywhere in every church. So he didn't say everywhere in parts of churches. He says, uh, Timothy, going to bring to you remembrance the things that I've taught in, in these churches. Not parts of churches, but separate, independent chapter churches. 20. If we take all these little uh, scriptures and add them together, I think we'll come to one conclusion. Uh, Acts chapter 20, and, uh, verse... 17. Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So he, uh, again, he sent to Ephesus and, and, and called, uh, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. That particular church there at Ephesus is what he's talking about. He did not call for the elders of the church at Jerusalem, which there was a church at Jerusalem, there was elders. He didn't call at this particular time to the church at Antioch, who had elders, but he called to this particular church at, at Ephesus at this particular time. So individual churches, independent of one another, yet all from the, from the same head, from the uh, first separate church. churches. So now we have separate churches, each independent of each other, and each had, I mean, they are separate, independent to the first church. And Jesus Christ is the head. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the head of each individual body. But each of these churches now, as they go out and they were organized, they didn't overrule God. I'm not saying that. But they had their own authority. And we'll see this, Acts chapter uh, 13. And this is something that I think I've fallen short in teaching enough as the Lord's church. And its importance. But Acts 13 and, and verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, who also called Niger, and Lucius the Cyrene, and uh, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So these were those in the church at Antioch. And verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work unto which I have called them. So they were members of the church here at Antioch at this time. And the Holy Spirit uh, said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work unto which I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Spirit, departed into Seleucia, and from there uh, called to, or they sailed to Cyprus. So here 
We see an independent church. Sardis mentioned here. Don't see Ephesus. But we see a church at Antioch and, and the Holy Spirit and, and they was going to send this separate Barnabas and Saul to go out and, and actually uh, missions and so forth like that. Now, something else, the Holy Spirit didn't tell Barnabas and Saul, now you tell the church that you've been called to do this. It wasn't that way. The authority came from the church, not from Barnabas and, and Saul. Uh, I've heard, and you probably all have heard instances where uh, heard a man that he told the uh, church that he was called to preach. The church didn't tell him. He went and told the church, hey, I've been called to preach. I've heard others that said, well, well, one individual in particular, he said, you've got your God called preachers and you've got your church called preachers. Because he said he was a God called preacher, so his authority didn't come through any church or anything church called preachers well where does god call other than through his church well and that would get into the you don't hear as much about anymore but it's still there but there was a a huge debate uh, on is it the priesthood of the church or is it the priesthood of the believer and there was and i say my answer is yes but the priest will be in the lord's true churches that's where he will bring them so is the priesthood of the church or priesthood of the believer? What's well, the same thing? The Lord will cause his believers to be in the true church. So it's the same thing. And it's the same thing with calling. Uh, God called preachers and church called preachers. It's a, God calls his, truth of it is, preachers through his church. But it's still God. It's still the Spirit. God does call, Not but he calls through his church. So. As, as we're kind of seeing that now. Uh, so here we have the Holy Spirit leading the church uh, in this discussion, and it says, uh, and sure they had much discussion on this, and said, you know, separate me, uh, Paul and, and Barnabas, for the work that I have for them. Authority, that decision, well, didn't come from Ephesus come, or, or uh, uh, Pergamos or any of the other churches. It came from this particular, ch- this independent church. That had the authority. Uh, Acts uh, and verse 26. They sailed to Antioch. Commanded or recommended. To the grace of God for the work which they they fulfilled. And had gathered the church together. They reviewed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of the faith unto the Gentiles. So here uh, we have uh, reporting back to the church of what had taken place. Reporting back to the church where they had received the authority from. So they were reporting back uh, to the church uh, at Antioch from where they had been commanded or recommended or sent. And... uh, they gathered there with the church, and they reviewed all the things that they had done. So, again, going back to the authority here at, at Antioch, from where they had been sent. And then verse 28. There they abode a long time with the disciples. So now Paul and Barnabas was back at Antioch. I don't know how long uh, they had been on this particular journey, but they were back, and they were kind of staying there at this particular time. So now that they were back at Antioch, 
start in chapter 15 and, and verse 1. men who came down from Judea, that's Jerusalem. So now we're, we're back at the church at Antioch. Paul and Barnabas is back there. And now we've got some people coming down from the first church at Jerusalem. And certain men who came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. So there were some that came down from Jerusalem or said they were from Jerusalem. I'm still... Uh, have some thoughts on that. But anyway, some that came down from the church of Jerusalem said, listen, you got to be circumcised to keep the law of Moses. Yeah, we believe in Jesus, but you still got to be circumcised. You still have to keep the law of Moses. So I came down from the first church of Jerusalem. That's what they taught them. How did that go over? Well, Therefore, verse 2. Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain of others of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and elders about this question. So now it said, uh, they. Who's the said, they? Okay, Paul the and Barnabas and some other ones, go up to Jerusalem and see about this. And I, I won't uh, uh, into it, but let, let me read verse uh, 4. And it says, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church. They had been sent from Antioch, so, by the authority of Antioch, were sent up to Jerusalem. They were going to discuss this matter and try to get this straightened up because those that came down from Jerusalem said, listen, you've got to be circumcised. We believe in Jesus Christ, but you still got to be circumcised and you have to keep the law of Moses. That's what they taught them. So Antioch sent Paul, Barnabas, and some others up there to Jerusalem. And verse 4, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church, and the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. And then they come up to this discussion again. Uh, verse 5, But there rose up certain other sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So, and I love the next portion of this where they had this discussion. And Peter says, why do you put this yoke upon the neck of the disciples? You know, you can't carry it. Our fathers couldn't carry it. Why are you want to put this yoke upon the neck of the disciples? As far as about being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses. So we won't go into that. But this is what the discussion was. That's what they come down from Jerusalem teaching them that. You have to be circumcised, keep the law of Moses. Antioch didn't think that was right. They sent Paul and Barnabas and others up to Jerusalem to see about this manner. And they went up there discussing other things, and then the conversation came to being circumcised and keep the law of Moses. So a good study follows that. But now let's go over to verse 22 in the same chapter, though. So they had this discussion, and uh, again, some of them, the Pharisees, believing Pharisees, yeah, you've got to keep the law of Moses. And Peter stood up, no. So anyway, now we're over in verse 22. And again, we're looking at authority. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church, this is a church at Jerusalem now, to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch. So now we had this issue. Now we've got the church at Jerusalem, their own separate body, separate authority. Now they're going to send some people down to Antioch, or not people, a message down to Antioch. So let verse 22. 
Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed uh, Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. So now the church at Jerusalem with its own separate authority is sending down to Antioch to try to see if they can get this mess, well, try to get this clarified. Let me say it, I'll, I'll be correct here. Uh, and then verse 23. Them and they wrote letters. Manner. So the church of Jerusalem wrote letters going to be delivered by these other ones down to Antioch. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greetings unto the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria. And says, much as we have heard that certain who went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, to whom we gave no such commandment. So here we had those, and what I get from this, we read where they came from the church at Jerusalem down to Antioch, now said you go be circumcised. Here is, the, the church is saying, no, we didn't send them to say that. That's what they're saying. For as much we've heard that certain who went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, to whom we gave no such commandment. Can you see how these churches are independent? Yes, it started at Jerusalem, and they're all churches, they're all bodies of Christ, but can you see now have independent authority? Church Antioch, sent a group up to Jerusalem to see about this, what they'd been taught, because they were teaching them, you've got to be circumcised to keep the law of Moses. You can't be saved. So the church at Antioch, where uh, Barnabas and, and Paul was, they talked about this. And there was a, uh, no doubt, a heated argument there. And they said, well, the church at Antioch said, okay, we'll send Paul and Barnabas up there at the church and, and get this clarified. So they went up there, and some of the believing Pharisees said, yeah, you've got to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised to be saved. So that's what some of them thought. But then the church at Jerusalem as a whole said, yeah, we've heard that some people went down there and told this, but we didn't send them. So they went down there without that authority, teaching that thing which the church of Jerusalem apparently didn't believe. Some of them did. Some of the Pharisees did. But to the church, with their own independent authority, sent men with letters back to Antioch to get this clarified. But can't you see the different bodies, different churches with different authority? Church of Antioch sent people to Jerusalem. Church of Jerusalem sent people back to Antioch to get this clarified. So we didn't, we didn't send them, we didn't authorize them to be teaching this. I, I think we can see that they were independent churches from one another. Uh, something else I'm not going to have time to go into, but just uh, something if you think about. A scripture uh, that says, uh, unless they repent, I'll remove the candlestick. And... Uh, uh, Danny and I was actually in Florida and uh, one of the conferences and there were two people arguing and they, they were arguing 
And one said, I'll remove the candle, he was quoting, I'll remove the candlestick from its place. And the candlestick is a type and shadow of the comforter. So one was saying, the, uh, arguing the point where the Lord says, I'll remove the candlestick from its place. And the other one quoted scripture says, I won't leave you comfortless. And they were arguing back and forth and back and forth. And it's a, it is a good question to be studied, not argued, but if we look at it, so the, the comforter is the a office of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has different offices, so uh, we want to keep that in mind. Just as the Lord had different offices, so did the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, as the abiding comforter, he placed on the day of Pentecost. And he told his church, he said, I won't leave you comfortless. But then we read another scripture, it says, I'll remove the candlestick from its place. Well, how can that be? Well, I, it could be, of course, nothing is possible with the Lord. But how could he, how could he remove the candlestick from its place, but yet not break his promise that says, I won't leave you comfortless? We could have a body of 100 people. And uh, if the Lord, in his own wisdom and time and reason, was going to remove the candlestick. But let's say those, there were 100 people, but let's say only 25 of them were true, uh, uh, I want to say it, true sheep. Because they're sitting in a building doesn't mean that they're sheep. But let's say 25 of them were true sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other ones may have been sheep of God. I'm not going to get in that discussion right now. But let's say 25 of them were sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how could the Lord remove the candlestick and not break his promise? He says, I won't leave you comfortless. Well, again, it could be many ways, but let's say in the Lord's own time, those 25 begin to uh, move away or pass away or whatever like that. And when the last one's gone, because those that he promised, I won't leave you comfortless, he won't break that promise. So when the last one's gone, there may be 75 people still there, but they had never been of the true church and led by the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So in that way, he could remove the candlestick from his place. There's still a group of people there, but yet he didn't break his promise to those. He says, I won't leave you comfortless. So that's a particular instance, but now take it to the bigger picture. When he says, hey, unless this happens, I'll remove the candlestick from its place. If you got one big church, one big universal church, how's that going to take place? How's he going to remove the comforter without breaking his promise to his elect sheep? And the answer is, I don't see how it could. It'd just be impossible. So we have local, independent, ecclesia churches that the person was uh, uh, at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, they was filled with the Holy Spirit as the abiding comforter. Still, the Holy Spirit has other offices. Holy Spirit as the abiding comforter. Out of that first church, other churches were organized by the authority of the church that they came out of. And the Holy Spirit thus passed on with each one that way. So 
there's some things to, to think about. You may still have questions, but I believe, well, I know it is a local called out assembly, ecclesia, each one of them having their own authority. Not saying they don't have fellowship as we do today, but they did back then as well. Church at Jerusalem, church at Antioch, they had fellowship. There were some issues and they appeared that they had those uh, cleared up and everything. But I hope in all this you can at least see there's independent authority, so it has to be independent churches. Each one, the head is Jesus Christ and made up of living stones. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We are dismissed.